The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I'm your host. I really appreciate you joining me today. So today's episode, one, has been a long time coming for me personally, but two, I'm hoping can be timely and helpful. And that is talking about student loan debt. So like many millennials, I had a lot of student loan debt. I actually paid off just over $100,000 of student loan debt that I finished paying off last year in 2022. And I've been meaning to do an episode about it, but what I didn't expect from paying that off is how much kind of mentally and emotionally that was going to stir up for me. And so it's taken me a little while to be able to actually talk about it and process it. And a lot of that is because my college experience was really traumatic. It I think was not the best four years of my life. I know for a lot of people that is, and it did have some really beautiful parts, but overall was really, really tough. And after I graduated, I think I buried a lot of that, a lot of just the trauma that I'd experienced both socially and financially from experiencing trying to pay for it. And I buried that. And when I paid it off the debt and I realized what I had taken the debt out for and the circumstances under which I was living when all of that happened, it just brought back all of these memories that I have been unpacking and processing for the past year or so. And now I'm finally actually ready to talk about it. The timing is also working out because unfortunately, student loan payments resumed earlier this month after being frozen for the last however many years super disappointing that the relief that many were hoping for didn't actually come through. So if you have student loans, if you're interested in paying them off or even other types of debt that you're interested in paying off, hopefully today's episode can be helpful and applicable. And I also know there's a lot of people who are like, girl, I'm not paying them loans back. And I get it. (laughs) I totally get it. No judgment. This is a safe space. I opted to pay mine off because that was the best choice for me. But you got to make the best choice for you. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at anybody else's pockets. So, you know, do you. But if you are interested in paying them off or in just hearing a debt payoff story, I'm finally here 
ready to share mine. So I made my last student loan payment in June of 2022, and it took me just over 10 years to pay them off. I graduated in the spring of 2011, needed to start paying back my loans in January of 2012, and it took me from January 2012 to June 2022 to pay them off. Now, I will say I was not actively trying to pay them off for a lot of that time. There were really only a handful of years in that decade that I was very actively, diligently trying to pay down the debt. But before I talk about the debt itself, I just want to paint a little bit of a picture about my background, about going to college, and about just how all of that came to be. So I was a first-generation college student, also first-generation, like not teen mom. I was the first woman in my family to, you know, graduate high school, go directly to college without having some of the other things happen in life that prevent that from happening. And so my whole experience leading up to going to college was really anxiety inducing because I was doing something that I hadn't seen done before. And while I had a lot of encouragement and moral support, I didn't necessarily have guidance or hands-on support to help me get to where I wanted to be. I was largely navigating that process on my own in terms of the things to get into college, deciding on a college, figuring out how to pay for college. It was a lot of like, you got it, you're smart, you got it. But when someone is 17 years old, very much a child, very much underdeveloped brain, you don't understand how a lot of these things work. You're making the best decision that you can, but it's probably not going to be the most informed decision. And so a big part of this process for me, especially as I unpack some of the trauma around it, is having a lot of grace for my 17-year-old self and the decisions that she made and the things that she took on. Because of course, at 34, which I am now, of course I would make different decisions. Of course I would do things differently. Yes, I understand school and the workforce and money much better. And I would have made wildly different decisions with my fully developed 34 years of lived experience brain that I now have. At 17, I did not have that brain. I very much thought, go to college, then you get a good job, and then that's it. And life is easy. And I quickly learned that that's not how life works. So everything around getting into college, going to college was really anxiety inducing. I had my first full-blown panic attack trying to fill out the FAFSA because I was filling it out by myself and truly had my first full-blown panic attack. And that probably set the tone for what college was going to be like for me. Because then after that, panic attacks became a regular part of my life for a long time. Thankfully, they no longer are. But, you know, that like 17 to like 23 age range, it was just a lot of panic attacks happening. That was the first one. And it just kind of kept going from there. So leading up to college, I did what I thought I could do to prepare. My senior year, I was applying for a lot of scholarships When I was in high school, I worked multiple jobs and I was really good at saving money from a young age. And I think a lot of that was honestly financial trauma. I grew up in a kind of lower middle class to middle class family and I wasn't taught a ton about money. 
I wasn't really taught like how to save, how to manage a budget, those things. And I saw a lot of spending and I would see this cycle of spending on nice things, clothes, cars, shoes, followed by the cycle of having bills cut off and seeing cars get repossessed. And so those were the types of things that I grew up seeing. And at a young age, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to be the opposite of that. I see this spending on these things. I'm never going to spend money on these things. I see this prioritization of getting nice cars. Okay, I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to hold on to everything that I make. And for, for a long time in high school, when I would make money from my jobs, I would keep cash in my shoes. <laughs> like I would have my shoes in my closet in high school would just be full of all of this cash that finally at some point I was like, I should probably have a bank account. Like this is not good to just have all my shoes be full of cash. But that was my financial system when I was about 17 years old. So I saved as much money as I could. I was applying for scholarships. I was applying for financial aid. And by the time it came ready or by the time it was time for me to go to school, it just wasn't enough. And my family was not able to financially contribute to my education. It just wasn't feasible. And so literally the day it was time for me to move into my dorm, I needed to take out a loan that day to be able to go to school. And this was three days after my 18th birthday. I sat on our home computer and I went to the student loan lenders website and I took out like a $23,000 student loan. I didn't know what that meant. I knew that a loan is something that you pay back, but I did not fully understand like what an interest rate was or from the day that I took that out, that it would accrue interest and that I would need to pay back interest. I just thought, okay, this is $23,000. At some point I will pay back $23,000. But up until then, I'd only ever had minimum wage jobs, working my minimum wage jobs and saving money for a few years. I'd maybe had a couple thousand dollars, but I didn't understand what... $23,000 was and the magnitude of how much money that was, let alone that for the next four years, that money would be accruing interest that I would be responsible for paying back. I also didn't know what salaries were, <laughs> like how much an actual salary would be after school and how much money it would cost to live and do these other things and then pay that back. Those were just things that I, as a literally had just turned 18 a few days before person, I didn't understand that. And I don't think that my family understood that either because again, I was the first one to go to school in this manner. And so that's just what we thought was best to do. Every day we're in a silent battle with our devices, devices that are slowly and stealthily draining us. Our biology is changing to meet the demands of the information age, but why and what can we do about it? If you're interested in finding the answers to these questions and more, you have to listen to the Body Electric podcast on NPR. Now, all of my jobs, because I have a few right now, all revolve around technology and being online. And being so interconnected has really led me to begin examining my relationship with technology and the ways that I choose to use technology outside of work. So Body Electric has been a really fascinating listen for me. 
It's an interactive six-part series that investigates how our relationship with technology is impacting our health. From nearsightedness to mass psychogenic illness to type 2 diabetes rates doubling in young people, Body Electric is partnering with Columbia Medical School to find out why. Body Electric touches on topics like tips for parents, mental health, debunking popular beliefs, and provides a feel-good tone with solutions that you can take part in. A lot of conversations about the ways that we use technology can be a little doom and gloom, but I appreciate that Body Electric is really proactive and inviting. And when you finish each episode, you actually feel empowered to take back a little bit of control from technology, which I really appreciate. With the mounting pressures of today's society, Body Electric strives to help lighten your load mentally and physically. Listen now to Body Electric on TED Radio Hour from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. So I took out that loan, start going to school. And also at school, it was really hard because that was my first time being around real financial privilege. I went to school around a lot of rich kids. I was at a PWI, liberal arts school, private school. And that was my first time being around like wealth, which I had never seen before. It was my first time experiencing classism. It was my first time experiencing racism. And I'm like, oh, I am paying a lot of money for something that doesn't feel good. And it was really, really hard, but I didn't understand that I had other options or that I could have done other things or done things differently. So I just kind of stuck it out. So my sophomore year came around and I want to say that year I had gotten more scholarships. I think my loan that I took out that year, private loan was like $16,000. I also had some federal loans in there that were part of my financial aid package, but I remember taking out a $16,000 private loan my sophomore year. My sophomore year was when the shit really hit the fan. I'm old. I'm going to date myself, but that was the year of the 2008 financial crisis. The economy crashed. My family was hit really hard. My dad lost his job. My family's income that already wasn't that high then got cut in half. And it was a really, really hard time for my family financially, but They wanted me to stay in school. And I had a lot of feelings and a lot of survivor's guilt around, okay, I'm at school. I'm around all of this wealth. I'm around all these people who have this wealth. I feel this pressure to succeed and to make all this money that we're spending for me to be here worth it. But my family back home is struggling. Like, will they keep their house? Will my brother have what he needs? Like, struggling. And I had all of this survivor's guilt. And so as a sophomore, I started putting so much pressure on myself around where I was going to be after graduation and what I was going to do. So that same year, I had a friend who was a senior. She had an internship at this big local company that was like a major company. She interned there and she'd already had a job offer in hand for after graduation. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. I'm going to do that internship. I'm going to get that job offer so that my senior year, I know that I'll have a good salary and that I can pay these things off. I can help my family. I was like already having full-fledged panic attacks, the theme of my college (laughs) experience around what I was going to do after graduation because I felt all of this pressure for both me and my family to start making money. And so that was my plan. The next summer, my junior year, when I was eligible, I was going to get that internship and then I was going to get that job. And that was that. 
summer after my sophomore year, because I wasn't eligible for that internship yet, I ended up having three jobs that summer. I kept my work-study job on campus. I worked in retail, like at the mall. And then I also had an unpaid internship to get experience in PR because I wanted to be a comms PR girly. That was what I wanted to do. I couldn't afford to just work and not get paid. So I had the other two jobs to offset that. So I would wake up early in the morning. I would drive down to Tacoma to my school, work a few hours at my work study job. I would then commute up to the city that I was interning at. I would do, you know, middle of the day work in the middle of the work day for my PR internship. And then at night I would go to the mall. I would work my inventory job in retail up until like 11 midnight. And then I would wake up and I would do it all over again for that summer. Again, trying to save as much money as possible, trying to like boost my resume as much as possible so that I could really stand out and get that internship the next year. And that summer was so hard. I lost a ton of weight. I started getting stress-induced migraines and it was just a really, really tough time in my life. I wish I could go back and I could hug my 19-year-old self who was just working herself to death honestly. But because my family had been hit so hard by the financial crisis, my student aid, financial aid for my junior and senior year kicked all the way up. So those last two years, I didn't have to take out any private loans because I was then just getting so much aid from my school. And so I did take out some federal loans for those years that were part of the package, but I didn't need to take out any private loans for that last two years. And honestly, thank goodness, because that probably would have been a lot harder to pay off if I had to. Thankfully, my plan to land that internship and to get that job after graduation worked because that's exactly what happened. Summer after my junior year, I worked that internship and then I got the job offer my senior year and I was able to go back to that company uh, the following year after graduation. Now, what was not fun about that was that it was not at all work that I wanted to be doing. Like I mentioned, I had that PR internship the summer before when I was in school. I worked for my school's office of communications. I worked for our magazine. I did a lot of writing and editing. And I ended up working after college in aerospace finance because that was where I could get a job. And I didn't care what the job was. I needed a salary the day after I graduated so that I could start making money. And so it ended up sending me down this windy career path that I did not want to do, but that I could make money doing. And it just, on top of like the trauma that I dealt with in college to do that, to end up in a career that I just did not like and felt so trapped in because I had to make money was really, really deflating. And my early 20s were very much plagued by this dark cloud of feeling really trapped there. But I graduate, I'm working at this aerospace job that I can't stand. And six months later in January of 2012, it's time for me to start paying those student loans back. Oh, and then I also had a random balance on my school account and they held my diploma for like a year until I paid the school itself like $8,000 of miscellaneous things. I don't even know what that was for, but I paid it back, got my actual like diploma a year later and then started paying on my actual student loans. And at that time, I was so burned out and checked out that when it came time for me to start paying them back, I was a minimum payment girly. I was like, let me set up these automatic minimum payments and I'm going to forget that these things ever existed. <laughs> like, peace out. And that's what I did for the first couple of years after school. 
I had intended of wanting to pay them off. I thought maybe setting up those automatic payments was going to do something. We'll get more to that later. And I went on and I lived my life. And for some periods of time, I had done pretty well financially. Like I mentioned, from a young age, I was always very frugal because I did not see frugality modeled to me. And so I thought that being as frugal as possible would be the way that I could succeed. So I had a decent salary. I would save a lot of money. I reached a point where I had gone on a few work assignments where I would be out of state for short assignments for work. And I did that because when you did, you got a 10% pay increase and then you would get these per diems that would be between 80 to $100 a day, depending on where your assignment was, for living expenses. So I did multiple of those assignments so that I could get that money and I just saved it, saved it all for a rainy day, padded up my savings. Now, looking back on it, I wish I would have done things a little bit differently. I'm pretty sure I just put that money in a high yield savings account. Now, knowing what I know, I'm like, oh, I should have put it in a Roth IRA or I should have bought like a little condo or something. But listen, 24-year-old Les wasn't there. 24-year-old Les was just happy to not have a negative bank account. So, So that's what it was. And around that time, I thought that I was going to go back to school. If you listened to my Why We Need Hobbies episode, then you heard me talk about how I'd started going back to school because I wanted to become a dietitian. And I was super determined to go to grad school and to pay cash because I really didn't want to take out any more loans. So I'd had this chunk of money that I had saved from doing those special work assignments. And then I also was just like a frugal girly who was constantly packing my savings. At this time, I'd also started side hustling. So I started teaching fitness classes and doing things on the side to earn extra money. And I was really like cushioning up my savings. I'd also really lowered my living expenses so I could save a lot of money and go to grad school. And when it became time for me to apply to go to grad school, I was just, I was doing the math. I was trying to do the numbers and I just, there was not going to be a way for me to become a dietitian without taking on debt. I I could not afford to save enough to pay for my master's, to pay for my living expenses while I got my master's and to cover expenses and pay for my dietetic internship. It just wouldn't there wasn't a way for me to do it without loans with the money that I had at that time. And so I decided not to go back to school. I decided I didn't want to be a dietitian bad enough to take on that extra debt when I already had so much from undergrad because the total that I'd taken out for undergrad, I think was around $70,000. And that's not even including interest, but we'll get to that. So I had this chunk of money that I had intended to use for grad school. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to grad school anymore. So maybe I can just start applying some of this to that debt and actually start paying it off. So that was when I started actually logging into my student loan accounts, actually looking at how much I owed, and I started becoming a lot more intentional about paying them off. So at this time, I'd had really low living expenses because I was saving to go to school. I was still working full-time in my corporate job. And then I also was working part-time in retail to make extra money. So I got my living expenses so low that I was able to use the retail money to cover most of my living expenses. And then my corporate paychecks, I would put those towards this one student loan that I was really focused on, which was, I believe, that $16,000 loan that I took out my sophomore year. And so that was the loan that I was focused on. I did kind of like the Dave Ramsey snowball method. I know he's very controversial, so I'm not like 
co-signing Dave Ramsey. I also wasn't really aware of his method, but that's kind of the version of what I did was I focused on one loan at a time, kept minimum payments on the rest. And then as I paid one off, I would focus on the next. So kind of what he recommends there. And so after a while, I had paid off that $16,000 loan. Now, by that time, I paid more than $16,000 towards it. I think by the time it was all said and done, it cost me around $18,000 to pay off. But that was done. And and when I paid that off, I felt this sense of relief and accomplishment. And I felt really proud of myself. I felt like it was one less thing that I owed somebody. And this weight that I had on my shoulders since the FAFSA just started to feel a little bit lighter. Now, I didn't necessarily use that as momentum to continue paying the rest of my student loans off really quickly because then I had a bit of a quarter life crisis, quit my corporate job, worked full time in retail and spent the next few years making like no money, which again, if I could go back and do things differently, I I would only leave a job to make more money at the next job. But I learned that lesson the hard way. We could all use a daily dose of wellness. And one of my favorite habits to support my health is to take my daily dose shot. Dose has expertly formulated organic wellness shots that support your liver in one delicious drink. Now I've tried a lot of wellness shots and a lot of them can be a little aggressive (laughs) to take to say the least, but dose is so good and it's an easy sip to support your liver health, which we don't talk about nearly enough. Your liver is your body's own filter that flushes out unwanted elements and helps your body break down nutrients. Liver health can impact everything from your brain, your skin, gut health, and everything in between. So it's really important to prioritize. Dose has amazing ingredients, including curcumin in a more bioavailable form than the standard turmeric pills you'd get at the store, as well as milk thistle, ginger root, and dandelion root, which are clinically shown to support liver health. I like taking my dose first thing in the morning. I find that it helps me wake up and feel more energized throughout the day. Liver health has been a really important thing for me over the past few years. And I was previously trying to take all of these different ingredients separately. I would have a turmeric pill. I would drink ginger tea. I would have a milk thistle pill. But having everything that I need to support my liver in one dose shot has been so helpful and convenient. If you want to give Dose a shot and invest in your health, Dose is offering Balanced Black Girl listeners 15% off plus an additional 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. So that's 30% off your first order. Go to dosedaily.co slash balanced less and use the code balanced less. That's B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D-L-E-S. For 30% off, that's dosedaily.co slash balanced less, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D-L-E-S, and use the code balanced less. I spent about three years from 2016 when I paid off that first loan was in 2016 through 2019 working at jobs that honestly did not pay me enough. And I took a huge kind of financial hit doing that. I had depleted my savings and I didn't make very good progress in my debt payoff journey. However, 
what did start to happen during that time was that my content creation had started taking off. So I started creating content in 2014 and around the 2018, 2019 mark, that was when I started to be able to generate some decent money from it. It wasn't like, you know, huge amounts of money, but I was finally starting to make money from social media. I launched the podcast in 2018. I was starting to make a little bit of money from the podcast by 2019. And so that was able to supplement kind of those really low paying jobs that I had, but I wasn't super focused on debt payoff during that time. Finally, in the summer of 2019, I'd had enough of being a brokey. <laughs> I sought out a job that had a good salary. I ended up getting hired, getting a solid salary again, and then I started taking my debt payoff more seriously again. So then the next loan that I was focused on was the bundle of my federal loans. And I started really putting effort towards paying those off. So I finished paying off the federal loans, which I think with interest total was around 30000 I finished paying that off in February of 2020, which that timing, February of 2020, late February 2020, right before the pandemic, right before those very loans would have been paused, I paid them off because I obviously did not know what was coming for us just a couple of weeks later. And then when the pandemic hit, I feel like I was kind of knocked off my center financially again and felt a lot of uncertainty. So that last loan that I had, which happened to be that initial $23,000 loan that I took out on move-in day, it just still minimum payment back in my mind. I just like didn't really have the mental capacity to deal with it once the pandemic hit and everything was just so kind of wild and crazy. But what I had started doing in 2020, moving into 2021, was learning a lot more about money. I hadn't really had a true financial education when it came to personal finance. So I spent a lot of time during the pandemic, during that downtime of the pandemic, learning more about finance, reading personal finance books, understanding investments, which was something I hadn't really understood. Like I had a 401k from my corporate jobs, but I didn't really know what was in it, how they worked. Also at that time, I was starting to earn more and more money from content creation. I was beginning to earn more at my corporate job. And so because I was earning more money, I really wanted to understand what to do with it. And during that time, that really helped my money mindset in a lot of ways, begin to see money as a resource and a tool as opposed to something being scarce that I never had enough of, which was how I was raised and how I felt about it all the way up until that point. So by the time we got to 2021, a lot of things shifted. One, I had this epiphany of, oh my God, I graduated college 10 years ago. Where did 10 years go? Two, oh my God, I still have two student loans 10 years later. Okay, maybe I should actually really pay this last one off because I'm over it. And then three, I went from having a roommate to living alone in Los Angeles. And even though I had been at a point where I was making more money, overnight, my living expenses doubled. <laughs> and even though I had worked really hard the prior year to start making more money, basically all the new money that I'd had started making was gone when I lived on my own, my living expenses doubled. And I was like, oh no, okay, we are really going to focus on getting our money up. And as the pandemic was lifting, I was starting to see people traveling and it felt like everybody was in Italy having their Euro girl summer. And I'm over here being apartment poor and still having this stupid loan. And I was like, okay, no, 
we're going to we're going to figure something else out. And that was when I started really taking a deep, heavy look at my finances and focusing on how much was coming in and how much was going out and what was happening. And I started working closely with an accountant to really understand my business finances and finding opportunities to make more money in my business. And around that time, it was spring of 2021, I got a letter from the lender of that original student loan saying that they sold it to another lender. They gave me a new login and told me to set up my account. So I set up this account And I was flabbergasted by what I saw because I'd been making minimum payments on this loan from January 2012 through March 2021, this $23,000 loan that I took out in August 2007. I figured it probably still had a decent amount, but I thought it maybe would be down to like 15K. And when I logged into that account... (laughs) I think the balance was like $23,250. Like I'd been paying $250 a month towards this loan for nine years and owed more than I took out. And I was absolutely livid. I was pissed. I realized then how predatory it was because the interest rate was super high. It was a private loan. It was super high. It was like 7% or something, which for what that is was really high. And I realized that all of those payments that I'd been making, I looked at my payment history that were all auto payments. I'd never really looked at it before. And I saw that like $235 of my $250 payment each month would be going to interest. And then like $15 would go to principal. And that every month for a decade meant that I'd made no progress on this loan. In fact, by that point, I think I paid around $40,000 towards this $23,000 loan and still owed $23,000. And the rage that filled me after I did that math and realized how much I had been truly bamboozled motivated me to be like, no, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. I called the lender to negotiate a lower rate and they were like, we don't do that. You can't have a lower rate. You can take it to another lender and consolidate, but we're not giving you a lower rate. And I opted not to do that because I didn't want to open up a whole new line of credit for this loan. And I was like, okay, bet I'm going to pay this loan off as fast as I possibly can. And I think that anger really (laughs) activated something in my brain where I just went absolutely ham on fixating on paying off that last loan. And that was in March of 2021 that I decided I'm going to pay this off as fast as freaking possible. And I went ham. And so that was the one time where I was super, super intentional about being present for my debt payoff journey with that last loan. Because when I realized how much I'd paid towards it, and if I just continued making the minimum payment towards it and never paid it off throughout the course of my life, it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars versus if I just like busted out this 23000 and kept that money for myself and invested it in the stock market or put it towards interests or other things that I wanted, how much more of a return that I could get from that, how I could have something to pass down to somebody else or just use to live how I want to live. It really motivated me to like get my stuff together and pay it off. So then I put together a plan for how 
I was going to do that. And I actually have my Notion pulled up. This is the Notion sheet that I used to pay off that last student loan. I created a page in Notion where I tracked every single payment. And it was just a little table where I had the date, how much I paid, what the balance was, and then I made notes. And usually those notes were where the money came from. And so what I did was I tracked my spending like a hawk. Every single Friday, I had a money date with myself where I tracked all of my spending, what was coming into my account, what was coming out of my account. Anytime there was a delta or like a surplus of I had money left over, it went to that loan. I also started paying towards that loan way more often. Instead of one monthly payment, I broke up the amount into multiple payments throughout the month to help fight against some of that interest accruing because what had been just killing me up until that point was all of the money I was paying was going towards interest and interest compounds or accrues daily. So the more often you make a payment, the less time there is for interest to accrue and the more of that money goes towards the principal or the actual balance that you owe. So I started just making payments super often. And if at the end of the week I had like $100 left over in my budget, I'd make a $100 payment, a $50 payment. I didn't care. As long as I was paying as often as I could with whatever I could, then I would do it. And I was doing that so often. Now, what was interesting also during this time was that I began bringing in more money, some of it very intentional and some of it kind of unintentional. So on the intentional side, I negotiated a higher raise at work. I had talked about, these are the awards that I've won. These are the results that my work is getting. I was managing a team at the time and I was like, my team is healthy, happy, thriving. Here's the great results we're getting. This is where I'm being paid. This is where the market value is. And I was able to start making a bit more money at work by bringing that case to my job. Also during that time, I was making more money from content. That was when the podcast was truly starting to become profitable. And I was able to start paying myself a mo- it was definitely a modest salary for living, which is why I still kept my nine to five, but it was enough kind of side money coming in for me to be able to make some extra student loan payments. So those were the intentional ways that I was making more money. And then the unintentional ways that I was making more money is the second I got super serious about paying off this loan, random money would start appearing. I would start getting random like refunds from medical bills, or I would get checks for random money in the mail that I wasn't expecting. And it started happening super often when I got super intentional about paying off my loans. Like I have it all here in my notion. I had a few things where I would make these payments and I'd be like dentist refund or like reimbursement from doctor's office that I wasn't expecting to get. And I would just take that money and I would immediately apply it towards that debt. The other thing that I would do is if I would do things to save money, like let's say I would do my own nails instead of going to the nail salon, or I would do my own hair instead of, you know, going to the salon. What I would do is I would take the value of how much that would cost. And I would either move to my savings, which I would then use to pay towards the loan that amount, or I'd be like, okay, $50. I did my own nails make a payment towards the loan for that amount, as opposed to just letting the money sit in my account even though I was doing money-saving activities, if I let it sit in my account, I would probably still spend it. And so the culmination of all of these things started creating this momentum where I was starting to see that balance go down pretty quickly. And then I became very addicted to gamifying getting that balance down as quickly as I could. So 
a little over a year later, on June 15th, 2022, I made my final payment for that last loan. And that last payment in my notes from my notion says money from exercise bike. I had an exercise bike that I didn't use. I sold it on Facebook marketplace, took the money that I used from that sale, made a student loan payment. And that is what paid off the final loan. And when I made that last payment, I was in shock. And it actually took me a while before I said anything. I actually didn't tell anybody that I paid them off for months because it started bringing up all of those feelings that I had before, the panic attack that I had filling out the FAFSA or that really hard summer where I was working all of those jobs and I had these terrible migraines and I thought something was wrong with me and the pressure that I put on myself to make this money so that I could succeed and help my family and do this and do that. I buried a lot of that stuff and forgotten about it. And so the second I made that last payment, all of those things started coming back and I just felt so down and heavy and anxious. It took away from the joy of the achievement of what I had just done. And it took me a long time to work through those feelings and to process it before I could even mention it. I didn't tell my family until months later. I didn't tell my friends until months later. I'm talking about it on the podcast over a year later because I just needed time to really sit with it and process it and to learn how to forgive myself when I was a teenager for just that whole situation and kind of financial mess that I was in. And I also had to work through again that forgiveness of feeling like I didn't have the guidance and support that I would have wanted to have. And I had to forgive myself for making less than ideal decisions, even though I didn't fully understand what was happening. But I know now, and I know now that I will never do anything like that again, that If I have kids, I would absolutely approach their education very differently. And it's shown me a lot about the power of focus, the power of intention, being somebody who didn't grow up coming from money, or I haven't had a partner who can, you know, fund my lifestyle or keep a roof over my head or whose health insurance I could be on while I do things. Like I've genuinely done this all myself. And I wanted to share that if you are also somebody who doesn't come from money or who does not have financial support or who doesn't have these things, just to share what is possible. And it's hard. And I hate that so many of us are in a position where we even have to do that, where we have to have multiple jobs, where we have to, you know, deprive ourselves of experiences. Because for a long time, when I was very focused on paying things off and when I was so scarce, like I did deprive myself of experiences. In my 20s, I did not travel. I did not have fun. I did not buy nice things. I didn't believe that I was worthy of those experiences because financially I just like could not see my way out of my own scarcity. And I hate that I was in that position. And I take accountability for the decisions that I made to get me there. But I also acknowledge there's a lot of systems in place that keep a lot of us there. And now that I'm in a very different position and I'm on the other side of it, and I understand how these things work a little bit better, it really motivates me to continue understanding and continue teaching and continue talking about these things openly so that we can figure out how to either dismantle these systems or prevent other people from kind of falling prey to these systems as much as we possibly can. 
So I want to do a quick little bullet point summary of the specific strategies that I used to pay off my student loan debt. The first was around really close tracking of all of my money, all of the money that was coming in, all of the money that was going out, and ruthlessly putting any extra money that I had towards the debt when I could. Two, get my money up. I mean, I don't think that it would have been possible if I would not have been actively seeking out ways to increase my income, whether that was fighting for my case for earning more money at work, whether that was really taking my business seriously, bringing in more money from content creation and being really smart about how I manage that money so that I could start paying myself and have that money go towards my debt. With the money that I was making previously, you know, in that 2016 to 2019 timeframe where it just wasn't enough, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And so unapologetically leaning into how I could increase my income was key for paying off this debt because you can't pay off something with money that you don't have. The other thing, my little savings trick around when I would do my frugal girly stuff and I would do my own beauty services or I would do things to like save money or DIY, transferring the value of what I would have spent directly to that debt was also just a game changer for me so that money didn't sit in my account and get spent on something else. And then being open to receiving money in other ways. Like I said, also during that time, I started receiving random money from other places, whether that was random refunds and things that I wasn't expecting. And I was constantly putting that money towards my debt. And it was almost like the more I did that, the more I would start receiving. So that's a little bit more on the woo-woo side, but it was super helpful. And then the last strategy was really understanding compound interest. When I took the time to sit down and educate myself around how compound interest worked, that is what truly changed the game. When I sat down and I looked at how much interest was accruing every single day on that debt and I began making payments way more often, it almost became a game of like, how much can I pay before this interest comes back and before it starts accruing again and understanding compound interest and learning how to get more of my payment going to the principal by paying more often, even if it's just a smaller payment that's split up was super, super helpful. So even though, like I said, I did kind of the debt snowball method, which was to focus on the smallest loan and then kind of increase from there, I actually recommend more of what's called the avalanche method. So paying off whatever has the highest interest rate first, because the sooner you pay off something with a higher interest rate, the less expensive that's going to be over time. So if I could go back and if I could do anything differently, I actually would have paid off that last loan that had the super high interest rate first, because that would have saved me tens of thousands of dollars towards unnecessary interest. And I know when you have money trauma and money stuff or when money wasn't necessarily modeled in a positive way for you, it can be so scary to go in and to look at the accounts and to look at all these numbers and to figure out what they mean. And we want to ignore it and we want to bury our heads in the sand. I get it. That's what I did. And that's why I took so long to pay off what could have been paid off so much sooner. But friend, just the visibility of going in and of just looking at it and understanding it does wonders and empowers you to be able to make the best decisions for you. Okay. So that is my talk on (laughs) student loan debt. I, like I said, I took out $70,000 in loans 
between all of the interest that accrued, it cost me about $100,000 to pay off. However, if I would not have paid off those loans, if I would have continued just making the minimum payments for the rest of my life, I did the math. If Lord willing, I would have made it to like my early 80s. That's the average lifespan of a woman in the US. And I would have spent from the age 22 to 80 making the minimum payments of all of those loans, it would have cost me around $500,000 across the course of my life that would have just gone to absolutely nothing. So what I ended up doing was it did cost me hundred, just over $100,000 to pay back that $70,000 because of interest. So it cost me $100,000, but now that is an additional $400,000. I Y'all, I do not have $400,000. This is hypothetical money across the lifespan that I'm talking about. But hypothetically, now I have $400,000 across the course of hopefully the rest of my life that I earn that I now get to keep and invest and put into my family or my community or myself or whatever it is that I want that doesn't have to go towards predatory places or can go towards future generations or can go towards whatever. And when I learned how to do that math, when I saw kind of big picture, how much it was costing me, that's when the light bulb really went on and empowered me to do things differently. So I encourage you to maybe do some of that math. Look at how much it's costing you, even if it's in minimum payments each month. Take your age from when you started paying to, you know, your 80s. I would love to see us all out here old and thriving, 80-something-year-olds and beyond. And do that math and look at how much it will cost you over the course of your life. And is that money that you want to continue just giving away or do you want to make a different choice? Again, it's your life. It's your money. You can do whatever you want. For me, when I did that math, I decided that I would rather pay $100,000 than $500,000. And I feel now that I processed it, a sense of relief and pride and empowerment. And like, if I can do that coming from a low income background, not having, you know, a partner or a sponsor or anybody, you know, financially supporting me, if I can do it, I think that a lot of other people can do it too. And I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. I'm supporting you. I hope this was helpful. Please let me know if it is. Let me know if you have any questions just around debt or money or payoff. We also did have a money series on the podcast last fall that also has some really great episodes just around getting more comfortable with money, getting more familiar with money. So I will make sure we link those episodes in the show notes to expand more on this conversation. But I'm sending you so much love. And if you like this episode, please make sure you leave a rating and review. I would love to hear from you. And I will see you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.